This is Football CFB, the home of unique football content. I never told you You scared off the vultures I never told you You scared off the ghosts living in my head That lay lonely in the dirt That to say that I'm joined on Football CFB today by Simon Lappin. Simon made his name at St Mirren here in Scotland, won the Challenge Cup in the First Division with them before moving down south with Norwich City. An incredible journey at Norwich City as we'll come to, but he's also had spells at clubs such as Motherwell, Sheffield United, St Johnston, and he's also had a few spells in, in non-league football. Simon, first of all, how are you? I'm good, Callum. Thanks very much for having me. Yourself? I'm good and I'm, I'm delighted to, to have you on. The first question I've got for you is, what are you up to now? Are you still playing? Uh, I'm still playing locally. Um, my family and I, we, we settled in Norfolk and I'm playing with a local team here with a few of my friends who are the coaching staff um, and myself and, and Grant Holt still playing for them, a team called Roxham. Um, and it is... <laughs> step five in English football but going back to when I was a 16 year old and people tell me even back then play as long as you can doesn't matter the level and I never thought I would still be playing as I say at that level but um, it's a game of football on a Saturday and, and it's, it's local as I say it's with a few friends and a, a young group of lads which is brilliant I can maybe pass on a bit of my knowledge and experience um, so I'm still I'm still playing away on a, on a Saturday, um, and work-wise, I'm actually involved in coaching now. Something I never ever planned on getting into. Um, I suppose for myself, it's very much a case of don't knock it until you try it. Um, and it was a chance meeting with one of my best mates and an ex-teammate, Adam Drury. Uh, he was working for Norwich City's um, foundation at the time in a coaching role. And he asked me to come in and have a chat and see what I thought about doing that. And I thought, oh, I'll, go and, I'll go and see what he's saying. Not really thinking it would have came to anything. But I've been there three years now and I'm, I'm coaching there, um, coaching a group of lads between 16 and 18 who, first and foremost, are there for an education. Um, but they play football on the side of that as well. So they train three days a week and they have a fixture every Wednesday. So... As I said, it's something I didn't really plan on doing and I fell into it and I've actually surprised myself how much I'm enjoying it. And in terms of the coaching, the obvious question is that you're enjoying it, you've fallen into it. Do you foresee a spell where you would fancy becoming a manager at all? It's a long way off, I would imagine. Um, I'm currently doing my B licence, Calum, but it's something I would love to get involved in. I would love to get back into that professional environment at some point. As I say, that I know how difficult it's going to be. You see the amount of guys that are out of job and they've got so much experience, whereas I'm just building up my qualifications, a bit of experience in actually coaching. But it's something that long-term, yeah, I would love to be involved in it. It'll be interesting to see how that develops. And as you've said, if you're, <laughs> if you're doing your B now, you just, you just never know where it can lead because you, you see the amount of 
players or former players that for whatever reason find themselves in a position where they might be asked to be a caretaker or on the coaching staff yeah. somewhere and then it flourishes. Yeah. Even a guy I played with um, in my spell at Cardiff, a guy Andy Taylor, just seen today that Phil Parkinson's been relieved of his duties at Sunderland. He'll be caretaker there for the next couple of games, whatever it might be. And it just, it all depends. It's all time and place, isn't it? Where you are and if you get a little bit of luck, if you do well, um, even somebody that went on to manage Norwich City and Alec Neal, when he was caretaker at Hamilton, done really well in that caretaker spell, got a job permanently, and then went from there to Norwich and then on to Preston, he's doing a great job there as well. So it's just all about the right time and the right place and having that little bit of luck as well. And in terms of yourself, you, 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 your first professional club was, was St Mirren. You, you came through the system there. But when was the first time you thought you had a chance of becoming a professional footballer? Uh, I suppose, like, like most kids, and I, again, I'm a bit older than you, Callum, but there was nothing much to do. <laughs> there was no real um, technology like kids have now, so it was always out playing football as a kid when I was growing up in Airdrie, um, myself and my mates. And I, I wasn't really that interested in it until, I don't know, about 11 or 12, um, when, I, when I started really playing with boys' clubs in my school. Um, and it was really from then I thought I'm actually okay at this and I was I was scouted by Motherwell at the time I think I was 13 or 14 and going back to then it was the, the Scottish pro youth system um, so train, train with your boys club and whatever but still uh, sorry train with Motherwell and whatever and still play with your boys club and from 13, 14 and again, the amount of lads that I played against that went on to have professional careers in that pro youth league. And it, it seemed to be almost a circuit that you would go from one club to the other and train with all these different clubs. Um, and by the time I got to 15, 16, uh, I had the opportunity to go to two or three different clubs. And like I'd been training with St Mirren, Motherwell, Hibs, Aberdeen, a short spell at Celtic. Um, and I think it wasn't until after I actually signed my YTS with St. Mirren that I found out I had an opportunity to go to Ipswich for a YTS. But um, went to St. Mirren. Um, I think the career kind of went from there. And in terms of St. Mirren, the club were relegated from the, the sort of SPL as it was at the time in the 2000 2001 season. Do you think that relegation from that happened to St Mirren helped you establish yourself in the first team arguably quicker than it maybe would have? Well, when I went in, and it was 99-2000 season, Cal, when they actually won the first division. And like I say, the, the opportunity for these other clubs, I think when I spoke with my parents at, at, at back then, um, and we decided that I was going to leave school, my dad actually wanted me to stay on at school. Um, for sixth year and my mum managed to talk him round and say well this is an opportunity that doesn't come round all the time so do the two year YTS if nothing else happens then you can always go back to your studies and whatever but make sure I got my hires in fifth year um, and like I say I left school went in 99-2000 and because of the size of the squad at that time Calum and injuries and whatever all the young lads trained with the first team at the time. And that the experience of that alone, I mean, it was really was a case of sink or swim. When you get into that environment, training with, with established first team players, men, when you're just coming out of school, 
and it really wasn't making of you the not I wouldn't say the pressure, but you had to deliver. You had to actually step up to the plate. I mean, if you were there to train with them, you were treated like them. Um, and it certainly wasn't making of me. And then they, like, they went to the Premier League. And again, I was never going to play at that point. Um, but as you say, when they came back down from the Premier League was more the season. I started to really uh, not feature, but predominantly training with them all the time. When we got to the Premier League, it was then split into 21's first team. But um, when they came back down, that was when I started to find myself in the first team fold. I eventually made my debut towards the end of that season. Um, and it was more the season again after that, I think 2001-2, might have been 2002-03, when I was more a permanent fixture in the first team. See, as a young player, when you go up to train with the first team, how did you handle that? Because I've spoken to, to many players that say they want to go up and maybe play a couple of neat passes and keep it quiet, whereas you speak <laughs> to others who go up and say, no, I want to go up and show the person that plays in my position that, that I'm somebody they should be worried about in years to come. Well, I, I think, like I'm saying, the minute I went in uh, full-time and I left school, you were training with the first team in pre-season, so it wasn't, you never had that spell of training with it the youth team of the reserves and then being promoted to training with the first team, we were straight in with them. So that that was all I knew from from going full time. And what a grounding it was. Honestly, just even you're saying the one just spoke to before, it did used to have a case of that at times if, if you make a, a misplaced pass or whatever it is, you know somebody's going to be on you. But it's then up to and again the world's changed a lot of I'm sure a lot of guys you've done before will say the same. The world's a different place now. and Maybe certain things back then were said or even done that definitely wouldn't happen nowadays. But for me, that made me the character that I am. That was, it was a tough school, but it made me the character I'm saying. It made me the player that I eventually became. But even been around the first team dressing room, you know, the ridicule and taking the mick out of you and everything, it was... It was brilliant. I used to love it. I used to love that kind of, not, not the nervousness, but it gave you that little bit, a bit of an edge when you went to train with them. And eventually when you found your feet, you'd give a little bit back um, as, as you started to get older and you know, get a bit more confident and a bit more comfortable in the environment. But I, I wouldn't change it for the world. As I said, it, it was the best grounding for me, the best schooling for me as well. Um, and just something probably... Again, I've got to talk about my career later on, some of the things that I was fortunate enough to achieve, but in, in actual terms of just enjoyment and some of the, the best times was during my YTS, the, the, the group of lads that was, um, that was there at the time. It was, it was absolutely brilliant. When you look back at the old first division, uh, the championship, obviously, as we now call it in Scotland, yep. you really established yourself in that St Mirren team in that period. We'll talk about the promotion season, of course, shortly. But what was what was that first division like to play in? Because you had a lot of senior pros that played in that league, so I imagine you had some tough opponents that helped you learn very quickly, very young. Oh, definitely. Again, similar to like I was saying, when you go train with the first team, it was sink or swim. When you were told you were going to be playing, you had to produce. Simple as that. Otherwise, you would come straight back out of the team, and it's what you work towards that two, three year period as a as a scholar or a YTS, whatever you want to call it. Um, but some of the players you would come up against, it was 
it was men, real seasoned professionals. It was tough, it was physical, but you had to stand up to that and you had to learn quickly. I remember my first, I'm sure it was my first start away to Falkirk, um, who were absolutely flying at the time. Uh, it was Owen Coyle and John Hughes and, and all the guys. And I got dragged at half time. I was absolutely terrible. I got bullied for 45 minutes. I think it was by a guy called Andy Laurie, who, again, he was a seasoned pro. And it was almost a wake-up call for me. So I'd started that game, taken off half-time, and then the next few games I was on the bench. And that was the realisation of you need to produce week in, week out to stay on the side. Um, and it was a, a really good learning curve for me. And as I said, I had to learn quickly. Uh, one of the, the big characters of St Mirren at that, at that time, of course, was Gus McPherson, who came in charge in, in 2003, you the, you the, a couple of seasons with Gus and then in 2005-06 you have that promotion season. I think a lot of people will remember it because it was the old Scotsport used to have the, the highlights of the championship and you had Charlie Adam in loan that season who was fantastic. You were having a great season yourself and John Sutton up front who seemed to, to lead the line very well. Yeah, it was just a, a brilliant couple of years with Gus. I mean, it, he was originally there as assistant to John Coughlin who was a, a brilliant guy. He was Tom Henry's assistant. He ended up with a job. Um, but Gus eventually brought in Andy Millen, um, who's still a, a really good mate of mine. And the two of them just... It was almost that the club at that point wasn't really going anywhere. And in their first full season, I think we finished runners-up to Falkirk. Um, and you could just sense that something was brewing with them. And they just, I, I don't know what to, to, how to actually pinpoint what it was, but they just instilled this belief and a confidence that had been missing. And they brought in a, like a, a lot of good players as well. The squad that we had was was unbelievable at the time. Um, and it was, I think it was 2005-06 season. We just hit the ground running and we just took the momentum and we went with it for the whole season with, with the Bells Cup. Um, and obviously we wanted to win the league, but the group of lads we had, it was just, it was an unbelievable year. And I can remember Andy and Gus talking about it at times and just saying, that, make sure you enjoy this, don't let it pass you by because it might never come round for you again in football. So I was really lucky at that young age, 23 I think I was, to be involved in something like that where, and again, it doesn't happen all the time. It just felt as if, no matter what we did on a Saturday, somebody would score a goal to win us the game or somebody produce a, a worldy pass to win us the game. But there was just a belief, no matter what, we would win. Even if not everybody was playing great, we would still win the game. Um, and, and, and that was, everybody bought into it. As I said, it was a great bunch of lads. Everybody was together. And I, I, I think when you look at teams that are successful, it's not a, a coincidence that you have that, that togetherness and that real belief that you, you can win games of football. But it was just a, it was an amazing season and I was just, I would say, absolutely delighted to be a part of it all. 
you, you won the league by 10 points, as you mentioned, so it was a, a comfortable league win. You mentioned the Challenge Cup final, or the Bills Cup, as it was known then. Yeah. That final was in your hometown of Airdrie against Hamilton. Not only that, but you scored in the final. Just sum up what that day was like, because as you mentioned, 22-23, that's a young age to be winning a league and cup double at any level. Yeah, it was brilliant, Calm. The first um, trophy that I'd won, and just to be part of a cup final, and I don't know, even the guys in that group didn't want to play in front of bigger crowds, but it was 10,000 there that day. It was the biggest crowd um, that we'd played in in front of that season um, because they were getting five at the time, five, six, whatever it was. And I can remember that the kickoff was delayed because of the crowd getting to the game. I think, as you say, it was my hometown. I think half the, the St Martin fans were my friends and family. Um, just because it was so close, but that just added to the anticipation and, and the nervousness leading up to it. But it was a, in a good way. Um, and just as I said, to score in the game, it was brilliant. It was absolutely, I, I'm not renowned, I'm not a renowned goal scorer, but to score in, in that game to give us a lead was was fantastic. But the biggest thing was to, to go and win the game, to go and win the, the cup. And the feeling after the game, I think we had a, a function on back in Paisley and obviously the boys are high kites when we get back into the dressing room with the trophy and everything and I can't remember it was myself it might have been Charlie Adam and um, we'd been selected for a, a, a drug test and at the time there was two Hamilton players in the same room as us so myself and Charlie were getting on the beers obviously and the two Hamilton players were drowning their sorrows but I can just remember sitting there for hours after the game because we couldn't produce a sample because we were so dehydrated. Um, by the time we got back in the bus, everybody was absolutely rubber, paralytic. <laughs> Again, we went back to Paisley and, and what a night we had after that. It was absolutely fantastic. And in terms of winning the cup and the league, you mentioned Gus and, and Andy talking about savouring those moments. I imagine as a team, you certainly savour both of those. Yeah, we did. The, 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 I say that that group we had, we did everything together. If there was nights out, obviously at the right time, everybody was there. Um, and I, I think, I'm not saying that if you go back to these teams of the past, the team that drinks together, wins together and all that kind of thing, but we certainly had that um, real, every, every dude bought, an in, uh, sorry, bought into what we were doing. Um, and I can remember towards the end of the season, we had a, not a stumble, but I think we lost a couple of games and dropped points and it was almost getting to the point of the nervousness was creeping in, like, are we going to do this? But we, we got over the line, as you say, I think it was, it was a home to Dundee and we beat them and what a couple of weeks after that we had and we had a, a trip away to, where did we go? Was it Portugal we went to? which um, I'm pretty sure most of the lads can't really remember much about it, but it was just brilliant to be part of it. And then obviously to get to the Premier League where we all wanted to play. Um, and it was, like I said, it was just a, a brilliant couple of years. One of the guys I've got to ask you about from, from that either at St Mirren, a guy who, if you played for your team, you'd have loved him, but when he played against you, everybody, all opposition fans hated him. Hugh Murray, what was he like as a, as a player <laughs> and as a character? It was brilliant. Um, because even going back to when I was a kid, uh, that was one of the reasons. Um, I was saying, speaking to my parents, we eventually thought 
we'll sign for St Mirren because you looked at the amount of lads that came through their system that were playing the first team. Just as I was leaving school, you had uh, David McNamee and Burton O'Brien had moved to Blackburn. But the first team had Shoggy in it, Stephen McGarry, Chris Kerr, Paul Rudden, Colin Drew, um, Derek Scrimger, all, the, all these lads, Ryan Robinson, they'd all come through the youth system. And Shoggy was the one that they had high hopes for. Um, and he was a fantastic player. But yeah, I used to actually car share with him as well because he was from Coat Bridge and I'm from Airdrie. But just a, a great character. He was just non-stop, just non even in the dressing, just always lively. And never, you know, sometimes you're just thinking, can you just give us five minutes? But he was just always on the go, always looking for a laugh. And to be fair, most of the guys in the dressing room were. Um, but but Shoggy was brilliant for the team. What a servant to the club he was. Um, I think he'd was it 16 years, 16 seasons there. Um, a fantastic player, fantastic pro. One of the things that always fascinates me as a fan is the difference in, in for want of a better phrase, standard when you go from the championship to the premiership in, in any sort of league. In Scotland, what was the difference between the SPL and the old Division One? I think with any step up, Calm, I think it's if you make mistakes at certain levels, you might get away with it. But the higher the level you go to, the mistakes get punished. So in the first division, you might give the ball away in a certain area. Um, and you might get away with it. But with the Premier League, especially when you were coming up against the old firm, Hibs or Hearts, Aberdeen, you would get punished more. Um, and it, it, everything about it. Again, I suppose it's the same at any level, that fitness levels have to be better. You need to be physically strong. You need to be... Your concentration levels have to be even better again because I said if you make mistakes, they get punished. Um, but we went into the league without any fear. We'll tell you why. I remember we were, we were in Austria, I think it was, for pre season. And we played this team, I don't know if they were German or Swiss, in our pre season camp. And I think we were 4 0 down after about 25 minutes. And this thunderstorm arrived in the mountains and the game got abandoned, thankfully, at 4-0 because it could have ended up 20-0. We and I can remember after it, Gus and Andy sitting us down and it was almost like a try to reassure us, like, don't worry, don't worry about it, the SPL won't be as good as that. But nobody had ever heard of this team that we were playing against and they beat us 4-0 in 25 minutes. So there was a little bit of um, how are we going to fare when we go up into this division? But as I say, we, we get pre-season out of the way and we went into without any fear. Um, and I think we won our first two games. We beat Inverness 2-1 up there, which was a great result to start the season. Then we beat Motherwell. I'm sure it was Motherwell at home. Um, so it was a great start to that season. Um, and I know as the season went on, obviously we made ups and downs. Um, and, and eventually I left in the January. But to see, even when I had left, and to see them survive when they beat Motherwell that day, it was, it was just, I was so happy for everybody, um, for, for Gus and Andy and all the lads that were there and all the fans. It was just amazing to see them over that couple of year period, finishing runner-up in the first division, then going on to win it and then surviving in the Premier League. It was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, 
In terms of the promotion, you're playing well in the Premier League and the interest comes in from Norwich. How did you react to that interest? Because I imagine a move to England is something that you had always thought about because for, for any young player, um, especially here in Scotland, I think we always do look down south at the Premier League, the Championship and think that's maybe the place to be. Yeah, and I, I was the exact same, Calm. I didn't, never had that. That was my ambition that I wanted to play in England one day. Um, whenever I was speaking to the press or, or however it might have been at the time. And I can remember, I think it was just before my 24th birthday. And my parents were, they were away for a trip to London or something. Um, and my agent phoned me at the time. Um, and it obviously mentioned the fact that Peter Grant was there um, and he'd been inquiring about me. And right, as soon as you hear that, that a club's interested in you, you just <laughs> you get carried away. And I can remember phoning my fiance, which is my wife now, but my um, fiance at the time. And we were just thinking, where the hell is Norwich? I didn't even know what it was. And you know, we looked in the map and everything and seen what it was, but obviously I knew what size of club it was. They'd only been in the Premier League, I think, the year before, two or three years before that, whatever it was. Um, and once I knew there was interest there, I was desperate that that would kind of gather momentum and I would get the opportunity to speak to them. Um, but it was it was really exciting times. What was your, your first impressions of Norwich like? Because some big names in that squad, Dion Dublin, Robert Earnshaw, Darren Huckabee. Yeah, like I said, I can remember when I, I I was training at St Mirren. I think it was whatever day it was. Um, and we were all sitting in the dressing room. I can remember Andy Millen just poking his head through the dressing room door and saying the manager wants a word with you. And I knew that this was the last time I'd walk out of that changing room. So I went from there to the manager's office and then straight to Glasgow Airport. And we flew down, uh, myself and my agent at the time. And we went to watch Norwich were playing that night at home to Wolves. And I can remember walking up to the stadium and thinking, fancy a bit of this. You know, there was 25, 26,000 fans there. Um, so we went and we met Delia and, and Michael and everybody um, involved at the hierarchy of the club at that time. Watched the game. And then it all went from that night back to meet Peter Grant at the hotel. It was absolutely brilliant. Told me... Delighted to have me there, what he expected of me, and um, we'll get everything sorted the next day. So, I did my medical, did the contract, and everything the next day, and, and met uh, all the players. But I, I suppose it's like anything a first day in a new job or a new school or whatever it might be, get into a new dressing room. As you see, some of the bigger names in there, the Dion Hucks. Um, Rob Earnshaw, you know, so many of them, and you just sit there thinking, oh, keep my head down, I'll keep my head down until they come over to me and introduce themselves. I don't want to. And it was Mark Fotheringham had signed at the same, he'd signed the same day as well. Um, and Fozzie, being the, the confident lad that he is, he's, he's up high fiving everybody and introducing himself. And I thought, I'll just keep my head down. and and buy my time and, and wait for them to come and introduce my, uh, themselves to me. But they were brilliant. As I said, like, said, big characters, but they're just great guys. Just great guys. Made me feel really welcome. And like I say, I, I was just thrilled to get the opportunity to play at a, a 
club like Norwich City. What was it like in training with those characters? And also, you mentioned walking up to Carroll Road when, when you were going to watch the match. So the obvious question, what was it like when you were playing in front of a full house at Carroll Road? Well, my debut was that Saturday. So I think I went down, it must have been a Tuesday or something. And my good mate, Adam Drury, he was a captain at the time. He was, I think he was suspended. I think it's, and he was the left back, one of the best left backs about. Um, so I was playing left back in the game. And I can remember the days leading up to the game, we were walking through a bit of team shape. And so I'm playing left back. Dion Dublin's playing left centre back and Dan Huckerby's playing left midfield. So I thought, I mean, all right company here. I'm pretty sure these two will look after me. Um, and as I say, we're doing a bit of team shape. And it, honestly, all I can remember is every time I got the ball, giving it to Hucks. And I'm just, I know it's team shape. We're playing against that, the reserve, the living, if you like. But it just seemed so simple. Just get the ball, give it to him. And when the game came around, that, that's what it seemed like. It just seemed as if the, the Dion Dublin that I'm saying on my right shoulder talked me through the game. And if I had an outlet, it was just get the ball to Dan Huckerby. But you, the, the team was filled with really good players. And Yusef Safri, Dixon Atuhu. Um, Gary Doherty, who'd played in, in the Premier League. Um, David Marshall was playing in goals. It was absolutely brilliant for Norwich. Um, so, it was, like I said, you're obviously nervous about making your debut for a new club, but the group of players that were round about me, it, it, was, it made it seem a bit easier. Um, what was Peter? But it was... Sorry, Callum, you Sorry, what was Peter Grant like as a manager? Because he's someone who clearly knows football and I imagine he was part of that settling in process. Oh, absolutely. And he always made sure, I'm saying, when I moved down, um, and my, my, my wife, she was my fiancée at the time, when we moved down, he always making sure we were okay. Um, his wife was the same, Lorraine. She was brilliant. And we had um, a woman at the club, Val Lemon, who was kind of club secretary and she, she was great as well helping you settle in helping you find somewhere to live um, real family club um, and I say we, we, we certainly felt that and I suppose that's why we still live here uh, just because of the way we were treated um, especially when we arrived not knowing the place at all it was just it helps you settle in and, and, and that just helps you concentrate on your football and all that stuff taken care of it just lets you go on with your football you finished 16th under Peter Grant in that six months that you're there. Eventually into your sort of first full season, Peter Grant leaves and, and Glenn Roder becomes the manager. Was there a difference between them and how they approached football and with yourself and Glenn Roder? Did you get a gist that he didn't quite fancy you? Because obviously you, you end up moving on loan to, to Mullerwell in the, in the January. Well, I was absolutely gutted when Grant left. Um he was the one that signed me. And you obviously, there's a sense of guilt there as well. That you maybe let him down. Um, not, not just me. Like, I, I dare say all the lads were the same because everybody liked him. He was a brilliant character. And as you said, the experience he had from his playing days, his coaching. Um, and I, I was gutted for him. It just never worked out because he had real plans for the club. And I, I know there was a maybe financial constraints at the time as well with certain players eventually moving on and whatnot. But I, I, was, I was gutted for him then. Um, the next scene comes in and I, I played the first three games when he came in. Um, 
I think the first game was at home at Ipswich. And we drew 2-2. And I got man of the match in that game from, from Sky that day. Um, then we played, I can't remember who the next one. I think it was Watford, maybe. And then we went to Plymouth. And we lost 3-0. And it was one of the days nobody played well. There was just a real lack of confidence in the team at the time. Um, and I can remember when we came back into train on the, it was either the Sunday or the Monday, there was a group of us going to train with the reserves. I think it was about nine of us. Um, and I was on that list. And I said, like You can understand being left out of the team after a defeat because you, you can't really argue your case. If you lose the game, then you can't go chapel manager's door asking why you're not in the team. But to be completely bound to go and train with the reserves was certainly um, surprising for the, for a lot of us. Um, and it just, it was at the beginning of a, a real um, disappointing spell at the club. Like I said, it was a club that I was desperate to do well at. Um, but for the, for the next while, um, things didn't quite go so well under certain people. And I understand that certain managers, they fancy players, they don't fancy players, but there's there's ways of treating people, um, which it wasn't just me, other players, even even guys were playing regular, um, the way they were treated by by the manager at the time, but it's part and parcel of the game. Um, and like I say, it was at the start of a disappointing spell. With that, was it a, a case of getting a move out of there obviously on loan and was Motherwell a good option because really it's it's as far away from, from Norwich I suppose as you could get and it gets you a chance to to play regular football and build that confidence up again? Yeah well as I said I think I'd gone maybe about six weeks maybe a little bit longer without playing and I thought I need to go here I still had I think I had two, two and a half years left in my contract at the time and um I had a few options to go on loan and I can remember it was probably one of the hardest phone calls I can remember Gus asking me to come back to St Mirren at the time and I thought I could just go back and it'd be comfortable probably the easy choice not not to say I wouldn't have loved being back working with Gus and Andy and that group of lads but I just thought I've only been away a year I want to try something different and like I say Mark McGee had inquired about me um, and Mother will they had been going really well at the time. Um, and I thought, I'll, I'll, I'm going to go there. And as I said, phoning Gus and telling him that, that decision that I was going to go to Motherwell, and it was really tough, but he understood my, my reason for it. Um, and like I said, I just wanted to get back playing football. But at that point, I mean, you haven't played for that amount of time, Carl. It's, you're not match fit. So it took me a little bit of time to get match fit at Motherwell. Um, I said that was a great group of lads as well going in there um, and under Mark McGee. Was a, we eventually finished third and managed to play, I think, I don't know, it was 14 or 15 games. Um, as I said, real great group of lads. And you look through that squad, there was Stevie Hamill, Keith Lasley, uh, Ross McCormick, Chris Porter, Stephen Hughes, Paul Quinn, just David Clarkson. What a squad they had at the time. Um and it really deserved to finish third that year. And it was great to be part of it. Not only finishing third, but you score that memorable goal at Celtic Park as, as, as the club defeats Celtic. 
just what was it like when, when you scored a winner at a place like Celtic Park as an opposition player? Yeah, it was it was unbelievable. I can remember. I'm sure Bob Malcolm got sent off that day as well, um, which the Celtic fans would have been delighted about, I'm sure. But uh, going down to 10 men, and it was backs to the wall for the second half. But we scored against the run of play. It was um, real have to dig in and, and show that resilient side for for probably the 90 minutes but to come away with every three points any time then it was great to score the goal but it was just a, a brilliant team performance on the day um, lost probably a, a lot of friends through it as well gained a few friends giving them from Airdrie <laughs> but I can remember my dad and, and my wife they were at the game and I can remember the two of them they were in the motherwell end they were saying it was just absolute chaos in the motherwell end when the final whistle went so it was it was a great day In terms of that loan spell it was clearly successful you were playing games you, you scored that memorable goal as we talk about club finishes third did the success of that loan make you want to get back to Norwich and crucially what was Glenn Roder's reaction when, when you explained Norwich was where you wanted to return? Well I can remember speaking to Mark McGee. Uh, we played Hibs the last game of the season. And I think it was a day or two leading up to it. And he called me into his office for a chat and asked what my plans were, if I fancied coming back the next year. And I, but I, he would understood as well because he, he'd been in England, he spells with Wolves and Brighton. Um, and he would know that when I mean, you got an opportunity still there, even though at the time it was it might have been a, just a, a glimmer of hope. I still had a couple of years left in a contract and I wanted to, to see what was going to happen. So I said, I, I wanted to go back to Norwich. I said, I, I know it was going to be an uphill struggle. But I can remember turning up for pre-season, um, sort of similar thing, told I wasn't part of the plans. That was fine, but I just had to bide my time for a little bit and see if there was opportunity to leave. Um but I just, I was so desperate to do well at Norwich. And it did mean that I had to sit and ride out for a little bit. But when I, mean, I look back now, I'm, I'm so glad that I did. I'd, like I said, I've got a great family around about me because it is difficult when you're not playing um, and you're sort of cast aside. But towards the end of his spell as manager, he sort of brought me back into the fold a bit. And I can remember there was one day we were training and I, I, I'm just like any guy, I, I'm just there to work hard and, and do my job. No matter if it was the first team, even when I went and trained with the reserves or whatever, you, you still do your best for yourself because you never know, like I said, you can be going on loan somewhere, so you need to make sure you're ready. But I was back training with the first team. I was back on the bench for a few of the games. And I can remember one day... I'm, singling me out for a bit of praise during training it just meant absolutely nothing to me I mean nothing normally when a manager does that it gives you that lift or that bit of confidence it just meant nothing to me because of the way I'd been sort of cast adrift for however long it had been um, and then eventually again football, it all kind of changed again when, when he left he leaves, uh, club legend, of course, Brian Gunn comes in. But unfortunately, there's still a, still a bit more pain that season with the club relegated to League One. 
what what is relegation like to deal with not only as an individual but as a dressing room as a whole? It's horrible, Cal, absolutely horrible. Anybody that's been in that situation will tell you the exact same. Um you see Gunny, absolute club legend, absolute gentleman as well. He brought in uh, it was Ian Butterworth, who again a Norwich legend and another one, Ian Crook, who was top, top man. Um and the three of them it was with the hope of sort of just galvanising the place to to get us out of the, the mess we were in. Um, and I can remember just going to Charlton that last day and I think we had to win and it was de- depending on other results as well. We were relying on other people. Um, but we, all, we obviously turned up there hoping just to take care of our business. Um, we didn't manage to do that. We lost 4-2. And just the... Uh, Talk about deflated after it. It's just, it's almost that nobody knows what to say when you're sat in the dressing room um, because you just you just feel as if you've let everybody down. Um, it's the bus back to Norwich from London, not a peep. And you can see that I can remember at the time when we used to travel on the bus, the club chef would come with us and they sort out um, post match meals and whatever on the bus. And I can remember even looking at him at the time and looking at the devastation on his face. So it wasn't obviously the players, but I mean, you start to see the people it affects, the fans, the people involved in the club. It just, for that day and for days after, it's just a horrible, horrible feeling in the pit of your stomach. The relegation, as you say, is is one thing, that, that horrible feeling as you've described there. Is it something that you don't want to feel? You get down to League One, you're the overwhelming favourites, and then that result happens at Colchester. You're on the bench that day. Just sum up the game itself and how you were feeling watching that from the sidelines, because even to this day, I just remember thinking Colchester have scored seven against Norwich. I <laughs> well, I can remember we did actually a good pre-season. And, and again, I was always one for, don't worry about the results. But I can remember results-wise, we'd actually had a good pre-season and they were making a bit about us in the press. And I, I don't know if Gunny or somebody within the club had said about it. I'm thinking, it doesn't count for anything, these pre-season results. And sure enough, come day one. But I don't think anybody could have seen a 7-1 doing at home coming. Um, as you see, I was on the bench and I can remember, it must have been five at the time. And I'm saying to me to go and warm up, and I'm thinking, what, what am I going to do? We're five now, <laughs> what am I going to go and do? And um, it was one of the ones that was, it was a bit of a nightmare. We had friends down visiting, and they came to the game. And as you do, you've got plans that night for people coming to, to stay with you for a couple of days. So I was in the city that night. I think I eventually decided to take the car just because I thought if I get seen out drinking tonight, <laughs> having a meal, it'll be hell to pay. But so I don't think anybody could have seen that result coming. Um, and then we played in the League Cup midweek where we managed to get a really good result. I think we beat Yeovil 4 or 5-1 in the League Cup, but we stayed down because we played Yeovil on the... Tuesday or Wednesday, and we were playing Exeter on the Saturday. So we stayed down there and we trained. And in that couple of day period, the club um, had decided 
to relieve Gunny of his duties. And we were all gutted about that as well because of what a, a figure he is at the club. Um, as I say, a great man. And, and gutted to see him go as a manager. Um, but that's when it all started to go. As I said, the, the spell under the previous manager, when it was a, a bit of a downward spiral, when Mr Lambert came in, it seemed to go completely the other way. Well, that's the thing. You think about uh, relegation, getting hammered 7-1 by Colchester. You must be thinking at that point, what on earth is going on here? This is an absolute nightmare this time down south. Paul Lambert comes in having managed Colchester to that victory and then talk about the most incredible couple of years. <laughs> Lambert turns it around in League One. Your, your good friend who you still play with now, Grant Holt, was on fire in that League One season. And I want to just ask you, how good was Grant Holt? Because I'm one of the people that thinks when you see the likes of Kevin Davis getting a call up to the England squad, I think Hope should have been capped for England in, in a couple of years after that League One spell when he was scoring in the Premier League. It was unbelievable, Calm. Honestly, the, him, the front three we had at that time was Holt, Chrissy Martin, and you had Wes Houlihan just playing behind them. And we were just, when Lambert came in, he just, I don't know, it was, it's hard to put it into words. He just seemed to have our dressing room in the palm of his hand right away. It was almost like if he told you to jump through that wall or whatever, you would do it. It just, and it, it never ruled through a fear factor or anything. It was just total respect. And he made you feel on top of it. He made you feel like I'm playing left midfield. I, I felt like the best left midfielder that ever lived. That's the way he made everybody feel. So when it came on a game day, I said, I had, we had it at St Mirren. Um, like I said, that, that feeling of we're just, no matter what, we're, we're going to win today. That group at Norwich at that time had it as well. So you talk about that front three, like Holt, he was, the goals he scored was incredible. Um, and he was a captain and brilliant leader. Um, but all throughout the team, everybody knew their job. Um, and as much as you used to talk about Grant getting the, 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 the limelight or whatever for all the goals, he, he would appreciate the defenders or the goalkeepers just as much as we appreciated him. And that was, again, I was lucky enough to have it again in my career. Some people might never have it, might have it once, but I had it at St Mirren. And then I was starting to have it again at Norwich in that League One year. Um, but it was just, it was unbelievable the, the transformation when um, Paul Lambert came in. He brought Ian Culverhouse with him another Norwich legend, his assistant. Ian Crook remained from the previous management team. And the three of them, they just, again, that, that confidence. And we just gathered momentum. And we, I think we were maybe bottom of the league or second bottom when Lambert took over. And I can remember his first um, meeting in the, the training ground. And he, he came in and he was asking us a few things. And then he just turned out, and he, I can remember seeing him, we're going to win the league. And honestly, you you would have thought he was off his head when he said this, given how we'd been playing, the position we were in. But then he went on to talk and asked us all to buy into it. And like I'm saying, it was almost like he had us in the palm of his hand from that minute. Even when we went out to train that first session, the tempo of training, the demands that he put on us were, were incredible, but we get used to it. And, and that's what got us playing the way we did and eventually led to his 
obviously becoming champions that year, and it was just, it was an unbelievable season. When you think of that season in League One, and then how you follow up in the Championship, making it back-to-back promotions, that for me is just crazily good when you consider how tough it is to win one league, never mind two in the trot, especially in English football. Who were the big players in that couple of years? Because Lambert had obviously created a close-knit bunch where the whole team were in it together. There was that unity, as, as you've talked about. But who were maybe a couple of the players that stood out as being the guys that if it was nil-nil with 10 minutes to go, they would produce a moment of magic? Yeah, there was plenty of them. And they say the league one year, I say that front three, Houlihan was just... Wes was incredible. You just couldn't get a ball off him in training. You, you tried to kick him and things, and you just couldn't get a ball off him. And he was the one who said, I, my job in, in the middle of the park, yeah, I, could, I think not bad left foot, and I'm okay at set PCs. I could find somebody in a yellow jersey. But my job, maybe just get the ball to Wes or get the ball into the front players who will go and produce something. But we had it all over the team. Fraser Foster in League One, some of the, the saves that he produced match-winning saves. I was saying that all over the park, centre-backs, the full-backs, Adam Drury, Russell Martin, um, and midfield, young Corey Smith, a young lad who had come into the first team, made his debut in Lambert's first game. It was incredible. In that group, they say we got us to, to the League One title. And when they brought in players for the championship season, they had to fit the mould. I'd imagine when, when Paul and Ian were recruiting them, they had to fit what was already there. So we brought in that year, I think it was David Fox, uh, Andrew Cross, Elliot Ward, um, four or five others, John Luddy, all, all these lads. And, and it wasn't just, like I'm saying, there was players that could produce magical moments or something out of nothing. But again, Lambert, the way it was, as you say, about that dressing room and the unity, Everybody had a part to play, no matter how big or small it was. Everybody knew the role, and and everybody felt like that. It wasn't just the ones that were playing every week. Everybody was part of it. And the biggest thing, Lambert, I remember, used to change the team when you would least expect them to. So you'd maybe win, and he would change two or three, just given that you think if I go with that team, I think I've got a better chance of winning that game, and then it might change again the fall, even if you'd won. And he was brilliant at that. If he was pulling you out of the team, it's not nothing to do with your performance. You'll be back in, blah, blah, blah. But it was all about the group. And I can remember I'm saying that League One season, we're going to win the league. I can remember coming back for pre-season in the championship. And, then, <laughs> and a lot of teams would maybe, right, let's mid-table, let's stay up, whatever it might be, the ambition. But again, it never left the dressing room. But I can remember saying, I want to go again wanting to win the championship again. And again, us sitting there as a group, you, you almost felt, well, why not? Why, why are you not going to try and win this? We never eventually became runners-up, but to, to get promoted, to win the league and then get promoted to the Premier League back-to-back was just, what, what a couple of seasons. It was just absolutely incredible, Calum. And with the crowd at Carroll Road, what were they like during those seasons? Because it's the sort of place, I mean, We've seen it in recent times when they beat Man City in the Premier League last season. When it's rocking, it seems like one of those places you just want to play week in, week out. It is. It's absolutely unbelievable. And 
that distinctive sea of yellow, it's just in the noise you make because the stadium's it's all enclosed. As you see, when they get behind you, and I know it sounds cheesy or whatever, but they always do, Norwich fans, they, they stick through the team. Like League One, just been relegated from the Championship, that 7-1 game, there's 26,000 fans for a League One game. And I think that, that season, however, 20,000 season ticket holders are there. So that just shows you how much they stick by their club. Um, as a, a one-club city, obviously, which helps, but when the, the, the place is, is bouncing, it's just it's, it's some place to play. When the club does back-to-back promotions, gets to the Premier League, how do you feel at that point personally? Do you think it's time to go again and try and get on in the Premier League and really establish myself? Or is there a wee bit of worry that you think the club's going to go at the Premier League Money obviously comes with that promotion and they're maybe going to buy players that will take my place. Well, I, I think you have to be realistic that that is the case. Whenever a team, no matter the level that they go up, they have to strengthen all over the park, especially going into the Premier League. Um, but again, that, that first season, you look at the players, it wasn't... They never went and spent fortunes on players. And again, these players fitted the, the, the type that had got a success um, from League One and, and the Championship the season before. So, I, I, like I said, there's obviously a concern there for any player. I, I dare say, I dare say, all the lads were the same. That oh, there's somebody coming in there, but that's then down to you to to try and fight out for that position if it's in training or whatever game time you get to make sure you try and stay in the team. Um, and like I said. I, I, I never thought, as much as I, I had ambition to play in England, I never thought I'd be fortunate enough to play at that level when I started out as a kid at St Mirren to get that chance in the Premier League. And I, I, said, I only played a handful of games in it, but to, to do that was just, it was incredible. And again, I go back to how good Lambert was. It was, he always used to say to us, and you're speaking privately, that the living lads take care of themselves. The ones that are playing week in, week out, whatever it is, they take care of themselves. And he used to say to us, if he's ever going to coaching or management, he says it's the other ones. It's the ones that aren't playing that you need to manage. And that he was brilliant. It was, as I said, you, you just felt you could play at any moment. He could pull you from being in the stand the week before, right, you're starting. And, and that's, that's, that's actually what happened to me in my debut in the Premier League. And it got to the point of a wee bit of I'm going to be on the stand again. And we were away to QPR. Um, and I can remember sitting in the changing room and whenever he used to name the team, he wouldn't always name the team on a Friday or a Thursday when you're walking through your, your team shape or whatever. And every now and again, he would just leave it to name the team um, on match day. And I can remember, he would only read out 18 names. He wouldn't say anything about the position, just read 18 names, starting 11, seven subs. And I can remember reading it and I heard my name. I thought, geez, I'm starting today. And it, 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 it was almost, I suppose he gave it some thought as well. And it it was really, I didn't have any time to think about it because we were going out to warm it up in half an hour. Whereas if he'd named the team the day before, I was thinking, I'd been up all night maybe thinking about a Premier League debut. And it was brilliant for me just to go and, like I'm saying, I never thought I'd get the chance to play at that level and making my debut in the Premier League. It was, it was unbelievable. Just sum up what it's like when you're on the pitch in a Premier League game because, again, as a, as a fan and a lover of football, 
you watch that level of football, it looks fantastic on TV. As you know, the production, everything is, is top level, as are the players you're playing against. How do you prepare yourself for that? Because the pace is relentless. Well, just things like, as you say, when you see it on TV and when you're a kid and you're growing up and even just little things, I'm sure anybody that gets there, maybe the sort of journey I've had and you've worked your way to get there, when you're pulling on that jersey with the Premier League badges on your sleeve and everything, and I said, the, the one that I got to play in, um, the game at the Emirates, going there, and it'll be, we drew three all with Arsenal. And again, I, I'm, I'm warming up before the game, I think, how I ended up here? Do, do you know that? Just almost surreal moment. As much as you always believe in your ability and things, but it's just, it was unbelievable to have the opportunity to do that. As you said, when you're playing against some of these players that you've grown up watching on television and whatever, and, and you're shared a picture with them, it's just an enormous feeling of, of, of pride um, as well. That you've worked so hard throughout your career to get the... Yeah, you need a bit of luck along the way, of course you do. But you've worked for however long to get to that level. And like I said, I think I've only played four or five games in the Premier League um, and a couple in the Cup, I think, in that Premier League season. But as I said, it was just it was an unbelievable um, couple of years. And, and to get to that um, was sort of the pinnacle for me. You talk about Lambert coming in, as you said, when the club are near the bottom of League One. And within three years, you're finishing 12th in the Premier League. You've ticked off that dream of playing in the Premier League yourself, considering the journey you've had from St Mirren. Overall, how do you reflect on your time at Norwich as a whole? Because it's clear from speaking to you today that the club means an awful lot to you, as does the community. Oh, absolutely, Calum. Actually, from the minute we arrived, how well we were treated um, by, by everybody within the club, the fans, and... In life, everything's never just going to be plain sailing. And, and same in football, that you're going to have ups and downs. And I had my ups and downs. But I always look at my time at the club uh, as positive. Yeah, there was a spell where I wasn't playing. But the good times certainly outweigh the bad. Um, and I say it's, it's a club I support. It's a club my, my children support. They were born here. Um, and as I say, you talk about the community. We... We had a spell back in Scotland for a couple of years, and I think it shows how much the place does mean to us that we, my wife, who's from the same town as me in Scotland, that we've chose to bring our, our children back here. Um, I think that shows you how much we love the place and what it means to us. After Norwich, the, the next club you join is Cardiff. It's initially on an emergency loan before you, you then make the move permanent. What was life like at Cardiff? Because you were there... I'm sure when, when Craig Bellamy returned to his hometown club, what was that experience like playing with him? It was uh, it was brilliant, Carl. I had been injured. Um, Chris Hutton, Lambert had left and gone to Villa. And I can remember speaking to him in the summer, as you do every year, you speak to the manager, but the season just passed, the next one coming. And at that point, I had a year left. Norwich were staying in the Premier League. Um, but I hadn't played and I thought I need, I need to go and play but I wanted to see what Lambert was doing and I knew fine well everybody knew at that point he was going to Villa so I thought I'm going to hang about to see who gets the job and give it another crack he might like me you never know so Chris Shooting came in who was a fantastic guy an absolute gentleman 
Um, but it myself and Mark Tierney were sort of fighting out for left back. Adam Drury had left at the time. He'd gone to Leeds. So the two were fighting out for left back. Um, I can remember the first game of the season, I went to Fulham. I was on the bench. Mark played left back and he pulled the two of us um, that week and he, he was telling us he was bringing in Javier Garrido, left back, his first choice. So that meant I was going to be third choice. So I knew I gave it a go in pre-season. I thought I need to go. But I'd get injured uh, in a Carlin Cup game. I'd rolled my ankle really bad and I missed about three months and I'd only got myself fit. I can remember getting a phone call about going on loan to Cardiff. And I thought, yeah, jump at the chance. They were um, top of the championship at the time. Malky being ex-Norwich player as well and I knew a couple of the lads there. David Marshall was there, Don Cowie, um, a good Scottish contingent with Craig Conway, Kevin McNaughton. And that dressing room that I was going into, even though I was kind of late to it, you could sense it was sort of similar to the dressing room I'd just left at Norwich, that togetherness. And, and they were riding that crest of a wave at that point. Um, so I, I jumped at the chance to go on loan. Um, it didn't quite go <laughs> so well. I got sent off my debut away to Barnsley. But as I say, the, the, the chance to go there, um, I, I was delighted. A massive club as well. Fantastic place. And as I say, that group of players, you look through it, as you say about Craig Bellamy, what a winner it was. That's what I, people maybe get the impression of yeah, a moaner, whatever. I, I was a moaner as a player. I think most footballers are. But the standards that he demanded of people was incredible. And that raised the tempo, the standards, everything in training, his demands. And, and that's the way football should be. Just little thing. I can remember one day we were warming up. And I, I'm a stickler for this as well, that when there's cones put out, whatever it is, to go around them. And this goes back to my days as a kid at Smyrna. If you get seen cutting the shot, you get told. And I can remember watching this kid missing out this cone. And I can remember Craig Bellamy just looking, I could see it was starting to grate on him. And the next time he'd done it, he just lost it with this kid for not doing the run properly. Which he was totally within his right to do. Because that's that was just one example of the standards that he demanded. Because these little things make up all the all the, the, the little things add up and make the difference for things. So just wanted to win. And away from football, he was a great guy, a brilliant guy. I can remember um like I'm saying that, that first game away to Barnsley and we had a meal the night before the game and I was sat at a table with it was him and Craig Noon and just talking away the whole time and and he, he was brilliant in that dressing room as as all the guys were. We had a great leader Mark Hudson. Um, but you could get through that squad as well. It's a fantastic group of players. Another experience you've had is playing for Sheffield United. What was it like playing at Bramall Lane? And another player who we've talked about, Craig Bellamy, you've also played alongside the most expensive defender in football history in Harry Maguire. Yeah, so my time at Cardiff, the, the, the boys were, were brilliant. I say that a little bit, even though... Saying that they've made you feel so welcome. It's hard when you're not playing. Um, you sort of feel like an outsider a little bit. Um, and it never worked out for me there. And I thought, I need to go out and loan as well. So that Cardiff had, would get promoted to the, the Premier League. 
go back for the pre-season, similar thing, give it a go. Um, but Malky said that if you can get out and loan, you can, you can go. So I, that, that was my priority, to get out and loan. I had the opportunity, and it came around. Um, I can remember speaking to Andrew Croft, who I'd played with at Norwich, um, and he was part of the, the Welsh International setup, and a guy called Adam Owen within the Welsh setup. He was also part of uh, Davy Weir's backroom staff at Sheffield United. So they'd get talking, said I was available for loan, and I, again, jumped at the chance to go to a club like Sheffield United. Massive club. Um, probably fighting out the wrong end of the table for a size of club we were at that point. And I went there, Callum, and I, I, I was really short in match fitness for one, but really short in confidence as well because I hadn't been playing. Um, and when I went there, I've, it was a disappointing spell for how I performed, but I probably didn't do myself justice. Um, in the, the, the kind of three months I was there, brilliant club. But when I went in, it was Davy Weir, like I'm saying, it took me there. He lost his job. I thought he was a fantastic man, um, a big gentleman. He lost his job. I'd only been there a week. And then Nigel Clough came in. Um, and I played, like I say, I don't know, maybe 10 games or so under him, but the confidence wasn't there. I never really got going. I rolled my ankle again for a spell. But some of the players on that the team at the time, as you mentioned, Harry Maguire was there. And you could see that he certainly had, so he, he must have only been, I don't know, 20 at the time, 21. But you could see that he had certainly the ability. Um, but did, they, did you see him going on to be England international captain of Manchester United? Probably not at that point. But what a player he's became. Again, that'll come down to lovely guy. Just a lovely, big, gentle giant off the park. Um, but what a career he's had. And to go on and play for however many caps he's got for England now in the World Cup. Um, and another one in that group, Connor Cody. Connor Cody was on loan from Liverpool at the time. And it was almost one of them with him that he was playing midfield. And I think he'd been so used to academy football that he really needed to go and play men's football and see the, the, the rough and tumble of it and see that football isn't like academy football where it's a case of you have it, we have it. And I think he, he found it hard going for the, the first little while he was there. But when he found his feet, he, he was an incredible player in midfield and, and what a career, again, going on to become an England international. Um, so, so some top players, uh, it's a fantastic club. Uh, but again, it just never worked out for me there. And it's something that, that, as you say, can happen in football. There's certain clubs and certain environments where, for whatever reason, it just naturally happens in some that, that maybe it doesn't. Yeah, I, I think I think so. I think just you, you've hit the nail on the head there that sometimes you just find something that fits for you. And my time, like I had at St Mirren, like I had at Norwich, it just seemed that the kind of stars aligned a little bit at they both clubs. Um, another example of it, you talk about that would be um, Timo Puke in his time at Norwich. He didn't have a great spell at Celtic, but the career he's had at Norwich now, what he's doing for his national team, it just, when something fits and you see, a player gets that confidence, which which football is a confidence game, um, you, you certainly see the best of people then. 
your next permanent move is, is St Johnston in Scotland, but there was there was interest in America for you. There was rumours that you you could potentially even join Rangers. What what was that period like when, when you leave Cardiff and, and look for that next permanent club? Well, my wife um, and my daughter was born at the time. My son hadn't arrived yet. They'd stayed in Norwich the whole time um, when I was at Cardiff. So I wasn't commuting every day, but back and forward. Um, and I come back for the summer. And I can remember speaking to my good mate, Russell Martin, who was still at, at captain Norwich at the time. And he said, if I fancied to come in and do a bit of pre-season there. And I said, oh, I don't really, I didn't really want to go back in. So I, I agreed that I would do it with the, the 21s. And um, so I went in there, did a little bit of pre-season. Um, and the coach at the time had worked, Paul Nevin, he'd worked around the world. And I can remember one day just standing, talking with him, chatting away. And I said, oh, I'd, I'd love the chance to go abroad if it ever came about. Never thinking anything of it. Um, but at home, come back in the next day, came out to train with the, the, the 21s or 23s, whatever it was. And Paul Nevin saying, he said, listen, I've spoken to somebody in um, America at DC United and they want you to go out there and train next week. So just from that chance conversation, saying he'd, I think he'd been in New Zealand, maybe America and, and out in Middle East at some point coaching. And just that conversation, I had the opportunity to go over to DC United, which I, I jumped at. I thought, might as well go out of contract now at Cardiff. And at the same time, I knew there was a bit of interest from St. Johnson. But when I went over there, it was coming towards the tail end of their season. Um, but it was unbelievable. I, I couldn't believe um, the standard of it. Not naive, but I went over there. I was certainly surprised at how good it was. You would, as you would expect, they were fit as fiddles, um, but they were coming towards the tail end of their season, and it just didn't kind of work out the way that I, I would have hoped. Um, there was something to do with their rosters that they can only sign certain amount of players, similar to the Premier League when they named their twenty-five man squad, and it was between myself and uh, I think it was a striker, and he decided on the striker, which was totally fine. Um, and I come back and as I said there was interest from St Johnson um, and at that point as I said my son was then born so it was a chance for my wife and I to take the kids home for a couple of years uh, to be closer to family um, and as I said we signed a two year contract and, and went up there and in terms of St Johnston, during your time at the club, you reached a League Cup semi-final, you're playing under Tommy Wright. What was your time at the club like overall? Because there's some big characters were there at the time, Chris Miller, who's from, from Greenock, like myself, and, and Stephen Anderson, who I've had the joy of speaking to, and, and both of those two claim that each other are the biggest mourners. So what's the truth? I was just going to ask, who was mourning the most out of the two? Um, no, it was it was really enjoyable, Callum, when I went there. Um I said I've been away from Scottish football. I think it must have been four or five years at that point. Um, and getting into that dressing room, just these guys had been at the club. I think both of them had testimonials at the club, and just some great lads. Um, and the chance to work with, with Tommy and Callum and Alec Cleland was was great. And had a couple of good years there. Really, really enjoyed it. Um, but even though, like I said, 
been back home and, and close to family, which was was brilliant. There was just something at the end that I'd signed a two-year contract and my wife and I, we just knew that we wanted to come back. Football aside, we just wanted to settle back in England. Um, but I said, I really enjoyed my time at St John's, a brilliant wee club, um, well run. And I said, it was, I don't know how many games I played over a couple of seasons, but we had a bit of success, finished for, I think we finished fourth, both seasons qualifying for the, the Europa qualifiers and everything, which was great. And you see the size of the club compared to some of the gates that other clubs get. Don't be wrong, the fans that they get are absolutely brilliant, but um, a really enjoyable couple of years. Been back to, as I say, closer to family and friends, but um, when the two years was up, we knew we were, we were going to move back to Norfolk. After the, the two years is up, you move back down south, you have a spell at York and then a spell at Kings Lynn. Overall, how do you reflect on, on, on the career? Because there's been incredible achievements in there going from League One to the Premier League consecutively, something that not many players can can say they've done. And, and even now, I mean, I know obviously it's you're saying earlier it's at a local level, but you're still playing football, you still love the game. So that suggests that, that you're happy with how everything's went. Yeah, as I said, when I, when I started out, Calma left school thinking I'll give this a go for a couple of years and see what it takes me. And as I said, I've been very fortunate along the way, a, a lot of things, but again, you need that luck in, in anything, football or whatever walk of life. Um, but you know when you sign up to it as well that there's, there's going to be highs and lows. But it is a case of never, never get too low when the, the things aren't going well. Um, and really, really enjoy and milk the highs when, when they come along because they don't come along that often. But I've loved every minute of it. I've, seen, I've, I've had some unbelievable experiences. I've met some incredible people that are my friends for life. Um, it's given me so many opportunities. And like I said, I've just, it's been something that, as I said, like when I was 13, 14, you start to think I could maybe make a go of this and I said to, to do it for the best part of 20 years before it was the kind of professional side it was curtailed by a, a bit of a bad injury but I, I, as I said I, I loved every minute of it I was very fortunate to to have that time in the game and I, I'll always look back at it fondly. And just before uh, we wrap up the interview a few quick fire ones for you best players you've played with? Oh. You see, you could you could have let me know about these beforehand and give me a bit of time to think about it. Um, I'll probably go just Dan Huckerby or Wessel. Dan Huckerby, just because he could win a game on his own. He could produce something out of nothing. Um, yeah, go for him. Toughest direct opponent? Um, to, to Frank Lampard, when we played... Uh, Chelsea and FA Cup was as you can imagine very difficult but uh, the aforementioned game at the Emirates Robin Van Persie gave me a tough afternoon <laughs> uh, especially in the first minute when you need a corkscrew to get me out of the ground but uh, yeah he was certainly tough Other than the clubs you played for what's your favourite ground you've played at? Played at? Um I loved playing at Celtic Park. I did. Um, but I would have to say the Emirates, that game. It was just incredible. 
uh, especially on that stage in the Premier League. Overall, who would you say was the best manager for you in your career? Paul Lambert. Without, without reservation. Yeah, without, I've worked under some great managers. Uh, Gus being one of them as well with him and Andy together were amazing for me. But just in terms of what we actually, not just me, but that group, what we achieved under Paul Lambert, um, I'd, I'd go for him. And in terms of yourself, you talked about making that development from St Mirren down to, to, to the Championship, then going down to League One. <laughs> You're thinking, how's it going to go? And then ended up in the Premier League. So based on that, the career that you've had, what advice would you give to any young players listening? Well, even the lads that I coach just now, Calum, they're 16, 18, and it's the things that I'll tell them, just work hard. Work hard all the time. Never rest on what you've done. And you've got to dream. Got to dream big. Like I said, I, I did. And as I said, I was fortunate enough to, to get to where I wanted to go. But it was a lot of it comes down to, yeah, you'll have a... a element of natural talent but you need to work at it all the time and, and never rest on it but enjoy it enjoy it as well because it soon goes um, I, I can remember these guys when I was 16 and they're in their 30s saying enjoy it pal because it'll, it goes in the blink of an eye and at the time you think yeah whatever but it sure does so enjoy it make sure you do that above all else Brilliant Simon it's been an absolute pleasure thanks for joining me no, thanks for having me, Callum. Really appreciate it. So we'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a deep sea cave And our shells will all be open They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song We'll dive down to the ocean And we'll make our home in a